What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here in the wee hours of Maroon Friday. I'm actually wearing maroon now. It's uh, it's 12-12, and I'm wearing maroon. Just turned 12-13. I'm still wearing maroon. I don't know what I'll wear the rest of the day. Eventually, I'm going to go to bed here. But uh, wanted to get this show up and kind of get it done. Got a busy day on Friday. Working through some things, as you guys know. Kind of finishing up the poetry book. But, uh, you know, got some personal things i got to take care of. And then on Saturday night, I'm going to be at an undisclosed location with a couple of good friends raising our goblets to the gods of rock. First time I've been to a rock show since uh, before the quarantine. Just hadn't done it. I mean, it's one of those things, man. It's Usually I go to, I don't, know, I don't know, 10, 12 shows a year. And some years more than that. You know, but for a long time they didn't have live music. Which is understandable. It stinks, but uh, they didn't have it. And then I was going to go to the fairgrounds when you guys went to see great white and slaughter however i had uh, two book signings on back-to-back days in south mississippi and i just couldn't pull it together i had some friends that went had a great time i would have loved to gone too and it's not just about the music even though you know the music is what brings us together it's one of those deals man where it's you know it's just kind of reconnecting with the mothership a little bit you know kind of blending in with the tribe again kind of reminding you that you're not so weird you know there's other people out there that have a shared interest because here is my life, and I don't know if you, if you fully appreciate this. You know, it is both a blessing and a curse that I talk about Mississippi State sports every single day. Every single day. All day, every day. I love doing it. I'm not complaining about the job. But sometimes I need to unplug from this for a little while, go uh, whip my hair around a little bit, have a good time, get out and go uh, recreate with some of you fine folks. And so... Uh, I'll be in uh, central Mississippi on Saturday night having a good time. So if you don't see me tweet or anything for a while, you'll understand. I'm not missing. I'm enjoying life. I encourage you to do the same. Protect yourself at all times. You know, things are getting a little more. You know, we're, around the country, we're seeing a lot more things kind of lifted. 
You know, I do think that we're on the back end of this deal. I really do. I, I really think we're on the back end. Listen, I'm no epidemiologist or, or anything like that. I don't, I don't know anything about the science behind it all. I listen to people that I think are much smarter than me, and there's a lot of conflicting information out there. But, uh, you know, I've done my best. I try to take care of myself, and uh, I'll continue to be cautious, and I advise you to do the same. But um, I'm going to get out and have a little fun on Saturday night. Looking forward to that. Hope that you guys have plans this weekend. Hope that, you know, it's Friday, so I hope it's a payday for you. Hope you get a little extra fun to get out go do some fun things. Maybe have everybody over at the house. You know, whatever you think is best for you, let me encourage you to do that. Uh, so many cool things going on in the world these days, you know, and, and I've watched so much Netflix that, um, you know, I'm kind of ready to get away from that a little bit too. You know, I, some, some days I have to kind of schedule a break for myself and say, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to back away from the computer a little bit, back away from social media, and uh, going to watch some uh, music documentaries and that sort of stuff. Matter of fact, I watched a documentary on ZZ Top here, uh, you know, earlier this evening. It's good. I mean, it's not great, but it's really good. I mean, I like ZZ Top, but I thought they kind of rushed the end of it. You know, it's like they give you the history and you know about when they were a band called the Moving Sidewalks and that sort of stuff, and kind of how the band came together. But it's like the, the last 10 minutes, you know, they get into the Eliminator album and then the, the show's over. You know, we don't get into what they're up to now. We don't get into any of those things that kind of happened after, uh, you know, Sharp Dressed Man, that sort of stuff. But it's still good. And I, I'm like you guys, those of you that love music, as you guys know that I do. You know, I like to kind of know the stories behind the songs. I like to know the history of the band. And, and I can watch music documentaries all day long and and it's not just rock music stuff i mean i i love that robert johnson documentary they have the uh, the two killings of sam cook it's really really good i've also watched the one about bob marley about when they tried to murder bob marley in jamaica and i enjoy all that stuff it's fascinating to me uh and so there you know we all have interest outside of mississippi state sports and i think it's important sometimes that we pursue those but uh at the end of the day, Mississippi State is what's in my heart and what pays the bills. So we're going to talk Mississippi State here on the show. Got a cool top ten list today. I was really happy with the top ten list today. Um, I want to give some shout-outs to some people with that stuff. So please, please, please include your name. But this one was kind of cool. Somebody else sent me a list and said, hey, would you do this? I did it, but I kind of did it, you know, in my way. You know what I'm saying? So we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, when I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, man. I tell you, whenever I ask the kid who's 15 now, hey, listen, think we're going to go get something tonight. W- what do you want? He always says, well, from the grocery store or from a restaurant. And I say, well, I really don't want to do fast food. And immediately he says, Bulldog Burger. Let's get Bulldog Burger. That is the Robertson Kid restaurant of choice, without a doubt. That's what, that's what he wants. And uh, whenever I get ready to get my two college girls together, because about the only time that I can see them is when either they get an Amazon package delivered here at the Hacienda or I invite, invite them out to eat, and inevitably we end up at Bulldog Burger Company. And so you can bring your family together too. That is a good family place. You can uh, have a great meal there, whether it be a weekend, a game weekend, or you know a weekday. I encourage you to go by and check them out. Two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, when you go have the spring rolls. The Bulldog Burger experience is not complete without spring rolls as the appetizer, which is without a doubt the best appetizer in Starkville proper. 
Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, let's get started. Let's talk women's hoops. And I know some of you are saying, oh, Steve, we have to. Yeah, I think we do. And uh, there are a few things that I want to say about this. Number one, you know, when the season began, I, I would say once the schedule was released and we knew we were going to play, I think most of us felt, you know what, we've got enough talent on this team, you know, with Rakia Jackson coming back and Jessica Carter, Maya Taylor, you know, and the pieces we have kind of coming in, we should be able to com- contend and compete for some really cool things. And then when the SEC media voted us fifth, a lot of us kind of laughed at that. We're like, oh, come on. Come on. We're better than that. But, you know, we're not. And, uh, you know, we might not even finish fifth in the league. We're going to drop out of top 25 for the first time in forever in a day. It's 100-something weeks. I mean, it's ridiculous to think how long we've been in the top 25. One of the things that I want to share about that uh, that I think is important for you guys to know before we kind of get into the game is I think it's important to take things in their context. It's really important to take things in their context. And, listen, I am a Mississippi State supporter, and I do my best to support every coach that is here as long as they are here. That doesn't mean that I've got my head in the sand and that I don't see things out there. And, listen, there are a lot of times with this women's basketball team that the effort has not been there. And effort is coaching. I mean, let's be honest. But let's also be honest with ourselves here, too. We're not going to fire Nikki McRae-Pinson, nor should we, right here in the middle of her very first season. I think it's important to kind of you know take some time to look back in hindsight. You know, she basically had to recruit her roster the day she got here. She had to kind of start recruiting the roster and convincing them to stay. She had to you know get Madison Hayes, who uh, you know was a signee that uh, you know was still not a hundred percent. And so Nikki had to kind of get to know her. And so she spent the first you know several weeks of her time on the job. You know, not necessarily being their coach, but, uh, you know, trying to build relationships and convince them to remain as a part of the Bulldog basketball program. Then we have all this craziness in our nation this year. You know, we have the COVID stuff worldwide and, you know, there's so much social unrest this year. And uh, if you don't think that's a distraction for everybody involved, you know, you're kind of kidding yourself. I mean, just think about our own lives. You know, we're only in many respects, we're responsible for ourselves. But, you know, people that are in leadership positions, you know, you've got, you know, employees to think about. you got, uh, you know, players to think about. you got staff members to think about. And so it's been a weird year. And uh, I don't know how I would have handled that, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. You know, listen, it's, it's different with the Gene's Page crew. And for the most part, everybody on our crew is pretty self-motivated. And every so often, you know, like, you know, we had back in the quarantine, there were times, you know, I would kind of get together with our guys. I'd call some of the guys and say, listen, we can't sit around here, you know, watching cable news waiting for the world to end. We can't do that. We can't sit around and feel that way. We got to get going. We got to write some stories. We got to get out here and, you know, contact some recruits. We got to get some things together to kind of give our fans a bit of a distraction, to give them something positive in their lives. Uh, besides having to read about, you know, COVID and death and destruction and despair. And so, you know, again, and I, I'm dealing with grown men, you know, and so it's not as complicated for me as it might be, you know, maybe trying to frame things up for a college student. And, I've, and of course, I've got a couple of college students in my family, but at the same time, you know, it's a lot different when you're talking to your kids. You know, your kids can't leave you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's a little different deal. You know, my kids, there have been days in their lives, I'm sure they would have loved to have had a transfer portal to enter because 
uh, you know, dad was being a little bit demanding on them and, or, uh, you know, maybe somebody didn't clean up behind themselves or whatever and, um, you know, had to discipline them. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a precarious situation at times. It is a very, very, very difficult thing when you're trying to instill discipline and at the same time not be so heavy-handed as a new coach that you push somebody into the portal. And as we saw with Mike Leach, it's a completely different dynamic, right? Completely different. And let's be honest, Mike inherited a much different culture than Nikki did. Nikki inherited a winning culture that had players that were really bought in. They believed that they were on the verge of winning a national championship in the, at some point in their careers. That's why they came to Mississippi State in the first place. It's like, hey, as a high school prospect, I sat here and watched Mississippi State play for national title in back-to-back years. I'm the missing ingredient. I'll just show up there and go and play and go play. We'll go win a title. They're just missing me. You know, on the football side of things, it was a lot different. You know, we had a, we had a bit of a culture shift. And listen, I, I like Joe Moore. I had a lot I do. I still talk to Joe. You know, there are times when I've got questions or, you know, Joe will see something. And, you know, we're both, uh, you know, card collectors at times. I got some great baseball cards. And so, you know, we talk about cards sometimes. You know, and Joe's a great guy. But Joe was kind of lax on discipline. And so, you know, Mike – and I wouldn't even say Mike overcorrected. I think Mike just kind of, you know, put things up to his standard. So we have a foundational standard. Here's what we expect from a Mississippi State football player. If you're not willing to meet that standard, then you have to go. And so Mike is kind of working through, you know, kind of getting some guys that we had kind of maybe left the core. They'd kind of gotten away from our core values. Mike's trying to get those guys back in. And then sometimes you got to put somebody on the road to, to kind of make a point. Uh, Nikki's situation, much different, much different. And so, and again, I know that really adds to the frustration to many. You say, you know what, Steve? Yeah, this is a team ready to win. And listen, I've read some of the comments, and I, and I, want, to, I want to make sure that we kind of frame some things up in their proper context rather than get our emotions involved. Okay, this was not a national championship contending team. They also weren't an 8-5 team, but that's what they are, right? I mean, our expectations were not to be where we are right now. Most of us expected, you know, we might have one or two conference losses after the South Carolina game, right? I think if we're fair with ourselves, we'll say, you know what, we, we might lose to Kentucky, uh, we might lose to South Carolina, but we should have beaten everybody else. That's, I think that's how we all felt. I think we thought, you know, we might drop a couple of games in the conference, but uh, South Carolina is the big one, and that's become a rivalry for us, and, and they certainly got the better of us uh, tonight. But I want, I want to kind of go back a little bit to, again, before we get uh, into the game recap, and talk a little bit about Mississippi State women's basketball history. Because, you know, no matter what Nikki McCray-Pinson does, she is always going to be compared to Big Shaper. That, that's just how life works. You're always compared to your predecessor, good, bad, or indifferent. All right, so let's go back to the hiring of Vic Shaper. Okay? Now, let's be honest. Many of you didn't know much about Vic Shaper. You say, well, I heard he was the Secretary of Defense. But let's be frank with one another. You only knew that because it was in a press release. You know, it was because somebody told you that. You know, and the reason that a lot of these, these facts that I'm about to give you about Vic Schaefer kind of escaped, um, you know, maybe your memory, is because you weren't emotionally invested in women's basketball, right? I mean, we had never been very good. You know, Coach uh, Sharon Fanning Otis had a couple good years for us. You know, she, she kind of laid the foundation for our program. 
you know, Vic took it to another level. But, you know, what, what qualifications did Vic Schaefer have to be the head coach at Mississippi State? When we hired him to be our coach, what did his resume look like? How many of you know that right now before I start talking? Maybe a handful of people? Because I'm going to give you some numbers that are probably going to be a little bit shocking to you. So let me lay it out for you. Before he was at Texas A&M, Vic Schaefer was the head coach at Sam Houston State. He was there for seven years. So let me run down these numbers for you. And these are, these are, this, these are the facts. I mean, this isn't my opinion. These are the facts. Because we know what a great job Vic did here at Mississippi State, right? There's no disputing that. But his first year as a head coach, Division I basketball for the Sam Houston State Lady Bearcats, 11 and 16. You can say, well, you know, Steve, it was the first year. You know, he's got to implement a system, got to get his players to buy in. And I agree with that. Year two, Vic Schaefer, Lady Bearcats, 9 and 18. You can say, well, you know, Steve, maybe they had a culture shift there. Maybe they had to run some people off, kind of purge the roster. Okay, I'm with you there. Year three, six and 20. Six and 20. Year four, 10 and 17. Year five, 13 and 14. So the athletic director at Sam Houston State was obviously either apathetic about women's hoops or was a real big believer in Vic Schaefer because he posted five consecutive losing seasons, bottoming out six and 20. And even that second year, the fourth year where they went 10 and 17, he still went four and 14 in the Southland Conference. They were not a good basketball program. Finally, finally in year six, they go 18 and 10 and win 14 and five in the league. So you think, okay, great. They got this thing on track now, right? They got a winning season. They're going to go ahead. There'll be a crescendo with this thing. And next year, they'll push ahead, right? Wrong. Went backwards, another losing season, 13 and 15. Finished 500 in the league at 8 and 8. So Vic Schaefer had been a head women's basketball coach for seven seasons and had six losing seasons. Six. Some of you right now are clutching your pearls. Like, oh, I didn't know that. Well, of course you didn't. Because you didn't care about women's basketball back then. You didn't know who Vic Schaefer was, and I didn't either. And so he leaves Sam Houston State. You know, Gary Blair hires him at, you know, at Texas A&M. And he's there from, uh, you know, excuse me. He was at Arkansas from 97 to 2000. And, and let's take a look at those numbers, too, if, if we can here. All right, so let me see if I can keep this up for you here. It's, it's kind of it's, it's a little difficult, you know, looking through all this. Sometimes uh, these media guides are difficult to find. But, but Vic goes uh, with Gary to uh, Arkansas in 97, right? And so let me see if I can get this thing to work here for me. i got a media guide here in front of me, an online media guide, and it's for women's basketball. So uh, they finished 22-11 and 11 and 7-7 uh, seven and seven in the league, finished 6th, and um, don't go to the dance. All right? So then we get to the 98-99 season, 20-14, 5-9 in the league, 11th. They don't go to the dance. 99, 2000, 17 and 15, 4 and 10, 10th in the league. They don't go to the dance. You see what I'm getting at here? Starting to build a pedigree here, right? Winning some basketball games, but we're not advancing in the tournament. 
so, you know, I run this stuff down for you. I think it's important to kind of understand that, uh, you know, when Vic and those guys went to Texas A&M, it became a great opportunity. And, and that was in, uh, I guess, 03. And he was there, you know, for, you know, I guess nine seasons, uh, you know, with Gary Blair. Did a great job there. But my point behind all this is, is, is this, is that, you know, Vic Schaefer was not a slam dunk coaching candidate. And it took him a little time to kind of find his rhythm. How do you sell Mississippi State? What do you do with the active roster? And, and people forget his very first year at Mississippi State, we actually went backwards. We actually had a worse record in year one than we did the last year with Coach Fanning. So, Nikki mccray Penson shows up with a better resume. That's kind of my point. And so, if we look at what Vic did coming from farther back, it makes what he did much more remarkable. I'm in no way trying to diminish anything Vic Schaefer did here. These were absolutely the greatest days of our lives as a women's basketball program under Vic Schaefer. And I know it, it doesn't seem that way today, but I think Nikki mccray Penson is going to be okay. And I know many of you say, Steve, I just don't believe that. And you know what? That's fine. We don't have to agree to be friends. We can have disagreements. I'm not one of those kind of people that if you don't believe the way that I do, I'll unfriend you on Facebook. I don't, I don't feel that way. But tonight was not a step in the right direction in any stretch of the imagination. And I know some people said, you know, well, you know, maybe Don Staley took it easy on her. I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of pride in this women's basketball team at Mississippi State and you know, we came out and had an 11-10 lead after one and looked pretty scrappy. We, would, we didn't look good offensively, but we looked pretty scrappy. And then they had that decisive second quarter, and they outscore us 26-12 to 12 and uh, really kind of took command of the game for there. We make some halftime adjustments. We come out. It's an 18-18 quarter in the third, and then they put us away in the fourth. And that's what great teams do. You hang around and hang around for a while, and, you know, we were within, I guess, we were within reasonable striking distance, but it was close to time, and Don Staley closed us out. And, listen, I get it, too. You guys hate losing to her. You do. I hate losing to her, too. And it's not that I hate her personally. I think she's the best coach in women's basketball. I'm not, not named uh, Gino. Don Staley is the truth. And we were at that level where we were the team, the game between us and South Carolina was going to determine the SEC championship. And you know what, a couple years ago, they cost us an SEC regular season title, an SEC tournament title, and a national title. And so we have kind of, you know, stumbled upon this rivalry, you know, because of their rise to prominence around the same time as ours. And so that's really the rub in all this. It's not that we expected to win tonight. We're upset because we didn't expect to win. We're upset because we had kind of already conceded the fact that we weren't going to win the ball game, And that's a bad feeling for us because we thought we had outgrown that. We thought, we, you know what, we're going to be – this is a rivalry between us and South Carolina that we're going to decide the championship of this league, you know, for the foreseeable future. And now we begin to feel like our glory days are behind us. And you know what? They may be. They may be. I'm not going to sit here and, you know – blow smoke up your skirt and tell you, oh, yeah, we're going to be right back in the NAFL championship picture because I don't, I don't know that I believe that. You know, I think it's a light and in the bottle type thing. And, you know, that, that's a sad thing to think about is say, well, you know, the glory days are behind us. That may be the reality of it. 
But that was probably going to be the case no matter who came in behind Vic. And somebody would say, well, you know, we probably could have found a way to keep Vic in a couple of years. At some point, he's going to leave. I enjoyed the fact that it happened, but that is over. He's not coming back. And I know there's so many people out there that want to find somebody to blame. Well, why didn't this happen? Why didn't that happen? You know, Vic is from Texas. You know, at some point, Vic wanted to go back to Texas. And every time Gary Blair had, you know, every single year, everybody's like, oh, I heard that Gary may retire this year, even though there was never anything to it. We were always fearful that he was going to go back to Texas A&M, and then we'd have to face him in the conference. But he's gone. Now we've got to make the best of what we got. Running down these numbers for you here. And listen, I get it. I'm not, some, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat this thing for you, too. It, it's, it's, it's a shame that we're not a better basketball team than we are. Jessica Carter, 33 minutes of action, 12 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Maya Taylor, who I think is really playing really well for Mississippi State and playing really, really hard for Mississippi State, 31 minutes, three rebounds, uh, 10 points, handed out five assists, also turned it over five times. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young played 25 minutes, got the start tonight, just five points. We're going to have to get better production from those two guards. We just, we just are. We are going to have to get better production when those younger players come in the ball, in the ball game. Sydney Cooks, uh, 19 minutes, five points. You know, she got the game started with that big three and then was really not much of a factor after that. And I'll be honest with you, I had really high aspirations for her. I really thought she would come in here and be a very good offensive player for us. And to date, she really hadn't been. Madison Hayes, just the one point, that's got to get better. we got to find a way to get her more involved. One of the best high school recruits in the country. And listen, I get it. you got to bring them along. But, uh, you know, we've got to get more production out of her. She got to start tonight. Rakia Jackson did not start. Still scored 15 points in 31 minutes of action. 7 of 16 from the floor. Uh, best shooting night of the Bulldogs. And then pulls down six rebounds just the one turnover you know so yeah I thought you got value from her you know um Aliyah Mataru just the four points I think people have kind of figured out that when she's on the floor we're going to try to bomb you from the perimeter and she's been really our only consistent three-point shooter this year but I hear you and I see you and I can't say that your criticisms are not unwarranted but I think it's also important for us to understand that, uh, you know, we were very patient with Vic. We need to be very patient with Nikki. Now, I'll concede to you, uh, Vic inherited a much worse situation than Nikki did. This is a very talented roster. In fact, this is the most talented women's basketball roster we have ever had. We had never had a McDonald's All-American, we got three now. So we have been recruiting at a level – that we never had before. So it's not like Nikki showed up with, you know, with the roster, you know, barren and the cupboard bare. You know, she, she should have had a running head start to all this. But uh, I think she is a better coach than many of our fans probably believe today. Because, listen, this is a results-oriented business. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how many kids you graduate. It doesn't matter how well you recruit. If you don't win, nobody cares about any of that stuff. All you do then is kind of paint yourself in a corner because if you got players that are staying in school and they're good students and you're recruiting at a high level, then if you're not winning, it can only mean one thing, right? And that's coaching. That's kind of how that works. But I hear your frustration. I agree with your frustration, but I think we probably need to kind of pump the brakes just a little bit. Now, looking at the schedule here, 
And I know a lot of people listen to my DMs, get full of people saying, you know what, we won't win another SEC game. That's not true. That's not true. We had a winnable game. We had basically a giveaway game coming up here uh, on Sunday against Vanderbilt. And that, of course, Vanderbilt uh, has kind of opted out. So we'll go um, – let's see here. I'm on the wrong thing here. I'm wrong. Yeah, so we were going to Nashville on Monday, and that's out. So then we get Tennessee in here. That's not going to be an easy game. We're going to have to play well. And then we got to go to Arkansas, who just beat UConn. Okay? All right, so that's not going to be an easy one. We got to go to Ole Miss, and you know what? They came up here and played pretty well. Uh, you know, we had a chance to put that game away, and we didn't close it out. And you know them getting us in their own gym. They're going to be excited about that. And we're not going to be able to pack the gym. Usually our fans can go over there and take over that gym. That's not going to be the case this year. It's not going to be an easy ball game. And we get Auburn uh, at our place. And then uh, we go to Tuscaloosa, and they beat us here. We go to LSU, and then uh, we get Missouri here. And that's the end of the regular season. So no gimmies. Nikki McRae and her team's going to figure this thing out, right? One of the things that we all talked about when Vic left, when we were searching for a replacement, whoever comes in here is going to have to understand a couple things. Number one, they got to understand our culture. They got to understand, you know, kind of the, you know, the value system of the people around them, you know. But they also got to understand the expectations. The expectations here are to win big. We have graduated from just fielding a team to uh, comply with the Title IX. That's not who we are anymore. You know, for years and years and years and years in women's basketball, we really didn't care. Even when it was free to get into ball games, you'd have less than 100 people there. Those days are long gone. Vic Schaefer proved that you can win consistently and win big here. We won the SEC championship. We won the SEC tournament championship. Uh, you know, and we played for an AFL championship twice. And so he's proven that you can do it here. And so when you begin to look at Nikki McCray Pinson's, you know, her pedigree, you know, she's a winner. So she's not a person that's ever shied away from expectations. And she understands what it takes to win in this league. She knows what it takes to win national championships. She knows what it takes to coach in this league and to coach for national championships. And of course, her first job, of course, is Old Dominion. They had a difficult year the first year, then they, they were really good the, the last couple. And so one of the things that irritates me about all of this is whenever we're losing, we try to find a way to make it personal. All right, that accomplishes nothing. All that does is inflame the people around you, right? And so I'm not going to judge uh, Nikki McRae Pinson on anything other than how she coaches our basketball team because I'm not in a position to do anything else. I don't have the right to do anything else. I don't know her. We don't have a friendship. I don't go hang out with her and keep her kids and go fishing and that sort of stuff and go to dinner. I don't know her in that light. So I can't judge her on anything other than what I see on the basketball court. And so that's what I'm encouraging you to do. It's incredible how quick when things are not going to our expectations, you know, we begin to turn on people. And uh, we call ourselves True Maroon until we lose. And then we lose, and then, it, you know, it's time to, uh, you know, it's, it's time to fire the coach and uh, to exile John Cohen and to, uh, you know, to run Mark Keenum out of town and bulldoze the campus. And, you know, 
you know, and I get it. It's because it matters to you. I'm not trying to make fun of those things. I'm just trying to make sure we understand, you know, let's not get the cart too far in front of the horse here and start thinking, oh, let's go ahead and just make a decision now. Let's go ahead and fire. And I've seen that. I've seen people, you know, for weeks saying we should fire Nikki McRae Pinson and we're just halfway through the first year. So I'm just going to ask you to temper your expectations just a little bit. Let's give the lady a little bit of a break here. Let's not forget the fact that, um, you know, people forget how long this thing, you know, it wasn't like, let's back up here a second. It, it wasn't like it blew up and then we had to go find somebody, you know. So Vic leaves in April. April, okay? Right in the middle of a global pandemic. And so, you know, the coaching search is not what you ordinarily would expect it to be. When, uh, you know, we fly her in here and, and uh, you know, she said you know, before she took the job, she at least, you know, before she had to make a decision to move her husband or kid here, she at least needed to see the, see the building and come in and check it out so that they get all that stuff done. And you remember how strict everything was back then. It was very, very difficult to get things done. And so it's been a year unlike any other. And then this is a lady, too, that is, you know, taking on a major coaching job for the first time as a head coach. This is not a little job anymore because of the expectations and the success that have kind of gone along with it. And so I just, to be fair, I think, I think we're, you know, we need to show a little patience, need to show a little understanding here because it is, you know, we, we're not even, we haven't had her a year. And, I, and I, again, I get it that we're getting all bent out of shape here because we're not used to losing and we're certainly not used to getting blown out. Time for today's top 10 list. Today's top 10 list is uh, a, a good one. I, I, some of these songs I hadn't listened to in years. And so I'm excited to kind of bring these things back for you because I think many of you Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo, get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. 
And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you hear them, you're like, oh man, I remember this one. This was great. So our friend Steve Stafford sent me the idea you guys love the uh, the one hit wonders you love the covers so next week we're going to do another cover show right got another country music show lined up for you too and then uh we'll get in next friday we'll do um i hadn't decided yet if we're going to do r&b or not but we're going to do something along those lines next friday so we'll do power ballads and then one hit wonders part of to do uh, yeah one hit wonders today 90s rock one hit wonders today we'll do power ballads on monday we'll do some country music on wednesday and uh probably some r&b or rap on friday I, i've got a couple of ideas there not exactly sure it's going to go just yet so bear with me that's the schedule for next week so so top 90s rock one hit wonders now some of these bands if you were like me and you were part of the mtv generation or you had these albums, you will agree that they had more hits than these. But these are, are, are songs that appeared on either the mainstream Billboard chart or the Billboard rock chart. And for many of these bands, it was the only one. And I believe technically it was the only one for all these bands. But um, some of these you're going to be like, oh, I, Steve, no, there's other songs that I love that I know that were on MTV. And they may have been on Dial MTV, but they didn't chart in the top 100 on Billboard. So, so here we go. Top 90s, one-hit wonders. I think you're going to dig this list. Number 10, a song that I had nearly forgotten about, but it's Sister from the Nixons. And and people forget, the guy looked a lot like Eddie Vedder. He didn't sound so much like Eddie Vedder. Some people tried to make that comparison, but it it just didn't hold up. But it's Sister from the Nixons. Great tune, and if you've forgotten about that one, you'll enjoy putting that one on. Number 9, Kind of an obscure one. Roy may have trouble finding this one, but it's Banditos by a band called The Refreshments. Meet me at the mission at midnight. We'll divvy up there. Yeah, that seems fair. Remember that one? That's the one. Number eight, and if you guys listened, used to listen to the old B&B show with Brian and Bob on Sporto Bulldog Sports Radio, you got to hear this one a lot. It's In the Meantime by Space Hog. That was their intro. Number seven, one of, listen, this, this song absolutely cranks. Like if you, like think a little bit about um, Grand Funk Railroad, like a modern day bluesy version of Grand Funk Railroad. This is who this band would be. They only did two albums and I loved them both. It's a band called Cry of Love and the song is Bad Thing. It's got a little bit of a bad company feel to it as well. I think you'll dig it. Opens up with some great percussion. 
Another band from that same era and the same genre. It's a band called Brother Kane. The song is Got No Shame. Yeah, I got no one to blame. I got no shame. I love that song. I love the harmonica on it. It's just one of those good driving, good timing songs, man. I mean, it's like that's the thing about this list. I love this list because I don't think there's a weak spot on it. But it gets better as we get closer to number one, as a list should. But a lot of them don't pick up until around five. This one, to me, once we start at, you know, we start at ten, and we start pushing our way down, and you could probably flip-flop nine or ten, they absolutely get better and better and better and better and better. And there's a lot of depth in this list. And I think Brother Kane being at number six with God No Shame is just, that, that is a cranking tune. Number five, a band that I saw live with Pearl Jam, on the uh, Versus tour down in New Orleans at the Kiefer Arena. Same night that uh, Eddie Vedder and those guys got arrested with Jack McDowell, if you're old enough to remember that, when they were kicked out of Pat O'Brien's. But uh, it's Sister Havana from Urge Overkill. We've actually mentioned that song before on some songs, perhaps, that you've forgotten. I had to put that one on here. Listen, that's one of those ones. It's got an old-school vibe on that guitar riff that opens up. It is a tremendous song. And the last time we talked about it on this show, I think I listened to it for two days. Sister Havana from Urge Overkill. Because I'm watching you and Fidel Castro in the sand. All right, number four. You can hear this one. Like, if you ever go to an old dive bar somewhere and they got a jukebox in the corner and a couple pool tables out there, this is going to be on the jukebox. It's a band called Seven Mary Three. The song is Cumbersome. Cumbersome. I've become cumbersome to this world. It's a great tune, and uh, I've heard so many bands cover that track over the years. I mean, even some of these younger bands today play it because the song still holds up. I mean, it came out in the early 90s, and and here we are, you know, 30 years later talking about it. Number three, a massive radio hit that caused a lot of controversy. It's Counting Blue Cars from Dishwalla. And uh, I think this, while it doesn't really qualify as a one-hit wonder, but uh, Billboard does. But, you know, Counting Blue Cars, you remember, that's the song, you know, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. And uh, so this song means a lot to me. This is one of the last albums I bought before my oldest son, Ani, was born. And um, I, guess, well, I, guess, I guess this was a little bit after he was born. And he was learning to walk and that sort of stuff. Yeah, I guess he had to be born to learn to walk, right? But... It talks about, you know, being a little kid and am I very far now? And uh, it just, it it holds a special place to me. But, you know, later in the song, it says uh, he calls God a she. And so a lot of people in the religious right got really upset about that. And um, I think you can probably ignore that and enjoy a great tune. You know, I've actually got my favorite Dishwalla song is uh, not even on that album. You know, that album, Pet Your Friends. It's actually on the second album, which is uh, You Think You Know What Life's About. And the name of that song is Once in a While. And uh, that's a little bonus track for you today. If you like Dishwalla, you go back and listen to that one. But to me, the best song on that Pet Your Friends album is Charlie Brown's Parents. Oh, there's no doubt. Oh, that song absolutely cranks. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to that on the, way to, on the way to town today. Number two, and many of you would say this is number one. And, and, I, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you saying that. But I like number one a little bit more. But the number two song is a band that has roots here in Mississippi. And I could also probably make an argument that, uh, you know, when you look at the mainstream rock charts, that they had a couple other songs that charted 
But according to Billboard, this is a one-hit wonder, the only one that made the Billboard 100. That's No Rain from Blind Melon. You know, we've got some Mississippi, Mississippi State boys that were in that band. And I actually saw them before they went to California with the other singer before they got Shannon Hoon. And uh, they needed to get another singer. But I tell you, uh, you could even kind of tell then they kind of had that professional vibe even back then. And uh, it's a really cool thing. But number one on the list, and this is a song that means an awful lot to me, and I had a chance to actually talk to the singer of this band at Rocklahoma um, a couple years ago. And uh, because I did not know the story behind the song. And I want to share some of that with you before we move on today. But the number one, number one Billboard 100 90s one-hit rock wonder, it's far behind from Candlebox. Now listen, you know, there's other songs, there's you, and there's some other things that I like, Cover Me. Cover Me is, to me, one of the better songs on that initial album. Nobody ever talks about that song, but it is absolutely tremendous. But... I love that album start to finish. But um, So Far Behind is actually a song about Andrew Wood. And uh, those of you that know the 90s grunge story as well as, uh, as I do understand, Andrew Wood was in the biggest band in Seattle before Seattle became a thing. It's a band called Mother Love Bone. And as you guys know, Stone Gossard and Jeff Ahmet kind of picked up the pieces after Andy died and uh, formed Pearl Jam. And uh, they, were, they combined two bands, Pearl Jam and Green River, and then they hired Eddie Vedder, who was a uh, singer out of San Diego. And next thing you know, they're, they're the, the biggest grunge band of all time. But Mother Love Bone was kind of the, uh, the godfathers of the Seattle scene. And so Kevin and Andy had kind of had a feud there at the end. And uh, it just so happened when they got ready to, to go write and record the album, they were in Mother Love Bone's rehearsal hall. And uh, Andy had had overdosed and passed away and it was a tremendous loss for the music community and kevin said he walked into that rehearsal hall and he felt like the spirit of andrew wood and he said all of a sudden he just said hey andy i never meant to treat you so bad but i did it anyway and that ultimately became the bridge for the song far behind that song is about andrew wood i didn't mean to treat you bad but i did it anyway because Andy was an addict, and he was a guy that sometimes was insufferable because of his addiction. And uh, so that song is not necessarily about a lost love. You know, it can be whatever you want it to be. That's a great thing about music and a great thing about art is it can be what it needs to be for you with the time that you need it. And uh, But that song is about that. It's just, you know, I hear you're coming home and all that kind of stuff because my love bomb was out touring and Kevin and Candlebox and those guys were still trying to kind of get things going. And so that's the story behind that. And uh, it is an amazing song. And uh, I have said many times before when I write the recovery book that um, I've had a lot of different working titles. But um, I will probably go with, when I eventually get this thing written, which will probably be 2023, uh, it's going to be kind of a tribute to Candlebox. And uh, the title that I'm working with is I Live With What I Know, which is a part of the lyrics from the song Left Behind, or Far Behind, excuse me. But um, go check it out. Enjoy today and enjoy this, uh, these great tunes. I think you'll dig those. Speaking of enjoyment, Campus Bookmart, they're around to help you enjoy life too. Stan the man might even sing to you. I know Miss Kathy Brown will. I know the lovely, talented Susie will probably dance with you from a socially distance-approved uh, distance. Go by and see them 
They're happy to work with you. They're happy to listen. They're going to help you find the perfect gift for the bulldog in your life. No matter the age, no matter the circumstance, no matter the occasion, they've got everything you need. If you can't make it to town, let me encourage you, for those, especially for those of you who live out of state, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net and use promo code BSR and you'll save shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. If you don't follow them on social media, you should. I saw yesterday that they had a pretty cool kind of watercolors bully print for like 40 bucks, which is really, really cool. And you can order that stuff too. So go check all that stuff out. They got everything you need to kind of decorate the home. And uh, everybody needs more Bulldog gear, right? We always need to wear maroon and white so we can celebrate Maroon Friday. Let's talk a little recruiting. We're kind of running out of time, you know. But I think I like where Mississippi State is positioned because we're really only talking about one spot. I mean, how many times have we gone into signing day and we're kind of unsure of a lot of things? Uh, that's kind of been our history. And, you know, we got a little bit embarrassed in December, right? I mean, we added, what, four guys, but we lost three. You know, you lose, lose Navante Q. Strong the day before signing day. You lose Malik Neighbors. And uh, you lose um, MJ Daniels on national signing day. And as contrived as a lot of that stuff was, you know, the bottom line is it happened to us. We've got to learn from it and get better, right? And so now here we are. We've got a mulligan of sorts. We've got a chance to, uh, you know, to get into February and kind of fill those needs. And, we, listen, our staff's done a great job with a transfer portal. I mentioned this on Gene's page a couple of days ago. You know, we have as many transfers as everybody else in the SEC West combined. And you say, well, Steve, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's a good thing. I think that's one of the things at Mississippi State we have to do to kind of narrow the talent gap is we've got to work the portal pretty hard. We do. So those three transfers don't count in the rankings. And so we're going to have a good chance to have a top 25 class, even without three big-time players not giving us anything in the rankings. Cool beans, right? All right, so the last spot we're talking about is a defensive back spot. You know, we talked on, uh, you know, Wednesday, Katravian Howard was expected – Hargrave was expected to commit. He did. He's going to sign Mississippi State on Wednesday. Ty Cooper is going to announce on Wednesday, expecting him to be a Bulldog. I've expected that throughout the process. There, there were only a couple times that I wavered a little bit. And that was because, you know, when I thought State – May have had some momentum with Byron Turner, who elected to stick with Florida State. You know, because, we're, listen, we're trying to add, you know, three defensive ends in addition to Travion Marshall. And then we pick up Randy Charlton as a transfer. And then there were still probably a half dozen guys out there like DeMarcus Smith and Deontay Anderson that we were still chasing. And then you start thinking, okay, well, this falls down to a deal where, you know, you're not going to tell DeMarcus Smith or Deontay Anderson – or Byron Turner, they can't come because you're waiting on an in-state kid. There's no way you're going to run the risk of losing those guys without some assurances from Ty Cooper. I have felt all along Ty would be in the class, but right when things got a little bit dicey there, when guys start making decisions, I start thinking, you know what, Ty Cooper might get left out of the class. But that's not going to be the case. And as I've said on the show many times, it doesn't matter when you get them as long as you get them. Ty Cooper, I believe – has NFL potential. I see him a lot like Marquis Spencer. I know some people think that he'll slide inside. I think in this scheme he probably won't. If we were in a traditional 4-3, I could see him doing that. I don't see him taking the Jaden Crumbody role. I just don't think that's what he's going to do. I don't think he's going to carry that kind of weight. 
I think he's going to be a hand-in-the-ground, five-technique type guy, and uh, it's going to get after you at the defensive end. I like his length. I think he's going to be a great player, and I fully expect him to be a Bulldog on Wednesday. Uh, he told me that uh, Southern Miss and Colorado and some others are still kind of in touch with him, and, uh, but he's also shared that uh, he has already made his decision and communicated that decision to his school of choice. And I firmly believe that is going to be Mississippi State. I still get messages and questions every single day. What's Ty Cooper going to do? I've probably answered more questions about him this year than any player in the class, without a doubt. And a lot of it's because, you know, he had talked at one time about committing before the season, that he was going to do it uh, around his birthday, then he was going to do it in December, and then, you know, then he didn't, didn't – didn't kind of keep that line of thinking long. He kind of pushed it on to February and said, listen, it's what I want to do. I want to take as much time as I need. I think a lot of it boils down to, uh, you know, Ty has some Ole Miss people in his life too. And uh, I think they're well-intended. But I also know they want him to be at Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, when you get down to the end of the deal, when, you know, you're a 17, 18-year-old young man. And let's just, you know, you can say, call them kids. But um, – you know, when you've got people in your life that are kind of encouraging you, say, hey, listen, this is, we'd love to see you be a rebel. We'd love to see you be a bulldog. Somebody is going to be disappointed. And as a young person, you probably put that thing off as long as you can because you don't want to disappoint anybody. You know, me as a grown man, I mean, you know, goodness, and I'm an, I believe that I'm a very honest and forthright and outspoken person. I am a fan of the awkward conversation because that's the only time we're ever going to clear the air. You know, once we can kind of get get in our feelings a little bit, as the kids like to say, once we can kind of get beyond that and talk about the things that make us uncomfortable, we can get some things established. But, guys, I'm almost 50 years old. I, di- I didn't have that skill when I was 17. Yeah, I, I was a mouthy kid, but I was a disrespectful kid. You know, I, I don't know that I would have necessarily uh, – you know, been willing to have that, you know, heart-to-heart conversation with people. You know, you, you run from that all you can when you're 17 years old. I mean, goodness, I mean, think about all these girls you dated that uh, that you dated from some other school. It's like one day she didn't take your calls and you never hear or see from her again. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's, just, it's not like it is today. And so you don't handle conflict well when you're 17 or 18 years of age because you just haven't developed that skill set. And so I think some of that's going on with Ty. I think it's one of those things where he didn't want to disappoint anybody. And so you prolong the process, and then the process kind of, you know, some of your options drop, and it makes it easier to have that conversation. So all of a sudden, Deke Adams gets fired at Ole Miss, which I think was a mistake, but whatever. So Deke gets fired at Ole Miss. Well, now all of a sudden, it's easy. They've given him a, a very easy excuse that he can tell the, the people in his life, their Ole Miss supporters, say, hey, listen – you know, I really liked it at Ole Miss, but without Coach Adams up there, I don't really know anybody. So you put that decision off, and then some things change that make it a lot easier to articulate your feelings about things. But I have believed since Mississippi State offered Ty Cooper that he was going to be a Bulldog, and uh, and ultimately he will be. And uh, I'm excited about it. I think he's going to be a good player for us. I think he's undervalued as a prospect. I have preached about that time blue in the face. Even, and here's the thing, too. Even if he'd gone to Ole Miss, I still think he deserves probably an 87, 88-type rating. I think, it's a, I think, I think it's, he's undervalued. I don't know that he's gotten a good evaluation. But it is what it is. So now that that's kind of established, you know, you got Hargrove and you got you believe you got Cooper in the boat. You're down to that one DB spot. We've talked about some of those options on the show. 
Uh, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know anymore today about who's leading or who's leaning today. I've learned a lot about these prospects. I've worked the phones for uh, the last couple of days and kind of found out some things about, you know, who they are as people and, and kind of how they, what, what's the lay of the land around them. And I'll be honest with you, I am probably less confident today about C.J. Johnson than I have been at any point in the process. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that he's not coming, but I'll be honest with you, as I've said on the show Wednesday, I don't have the warm and fuzzies. And in the more conversations that I have had, you know, the less confident I've become that he's going to be a Bulldog. And this is a guy that's been a Mississippi State fan his entire life. And so this weekend is going to be a big part of things. So he's going to have to sit down and make some decisions. I know that there are some people close to him that like the prestige of Duke and North Carolina. Uh, excuse me, Duke and Northwestern. I, I get it. Uh, I also believe there's some people in his family that really want him to be a Mississippi State Bulldog because they love Mississippi State and they believe that he'd have a great experience here and that he would also contribute to Mississippi State's future successes. And so that's something he and his family will have to talk through. I'm told that both of his parents are 100% okay with whatever he decides, which is the way it should be. But also it doesn't hurt my feelings that I know one of them in there is kind of pulling for state. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see how that progresses. But, you know, a month ago I was like, oh, yeah, we're going to get this kid. Now that we're down to it, it's kind of like the whole Ty Cooper thing, right? You know, when you have a difficult decision to make that you know is going to disappoint some people, you put that thing off. And the only thing that would disappoint people around you, especially peripherally, is not going to Mississippi State. I mean, of course, those people that are, you know, in your household and your family, that you know, that they want you to go where you know you're going to be happy. You know, but a lot of other people in your community, they want you to go to Mississippi State. They may not tell you that, but that's the truth. They want you to go to Mississippi State. And that's where I think we're a little bit different than all most people. Because there's not an Ole Miss people, person in the world that's not going to tell some recruit, we want you to Ole Miss. So where does that leave us? Well, you know, you got Ladarian Craig out of uh, Baker High School in Mobile. He's a good player. There were some qualifying concerns early on. I understand he's now in a good position to qualify. He's got to work hard, but he can make it. Uh, he has recently picked up offers from South Carolina, Oregon State. He already had some G5s before, but now he's picked up some Power 5 lates. Uh, so, you know, we'll kind of see how things progress with that. But, uh, you know, I, if I had to call it today, I think if C.J. Johnson's not coming, which I think that is the best option, if he's not coming, I think it's Jaquan Amos from Villanova. I know he's a grad transfer, and I can talk you through this as best I can. He played three years at Villanova. They didn't play football this year. So he used his fourth year, obviously, and graduated. He'll be a grad transfer. I think he makes you a better football team this year. And I'm told he has the skills to play multiple spots in the secondary. He can play corner. He can play free safety. Uh, he can play nickel. And so that gives you a lot of options this year. And because, listen, we need to have a better year this year. You know, we're not looking to go out there and win four or five ball games and call it a day. You know, listen, we're expecting to be, you know, win seven, eight regular season games and go to a good ball game somewhere and then build from there. So – if you go get him, you say, well, Steve, that's kind of a contradiction. Why wouldn't you want a guy that had four years? I'm good either way. But I think when you think about some of these younger guys that are coming in, you know, you need probably need a stopgap guy to come in here and kind of help them learn a little bit. You know, DeCamerion Richardson is a guy that is a freak of an athlete that is still kind of learning to play corner. You know, Sass Ferg is a guy that, you know, won the starting job and lost it to Emmanuel Forbes, but there's not a lot of depth there. 
And so when you've got a guy, a swing guy like Amos, let's say you have a guy get banged up or you have a guy pull a hamstring, you can plug that guy in there. He's a plug-and-play guy at multiple spots in the secondary. So I think he makes you a better football team this year. But if I had my druthers, I'd rather have C.J. Johnson. I think C.J. Johnson's a guy that's going to have a great career, and you could have him for four years. And so, But when I get down beyond that, if I can't get C.J., I think I go with Amos. I didn't feel that way a couple days ago, but after talking to some people and kind of talking this thing through, uh, I think that might be the best thing for us if we're not going to get a multi-year starter as a high school guy. And, again, I don't know an awful lot about Ladarian Craig. I've watched his film. I know he's incredibly fast. He nearly won the 7A uh, state championship in the 60 meters. Missed the state championship by two one-hundredths of a second. I think the winning time was 6.96, and he was 6.98. I think that's right. And so, yeah, this is a kid that's long, lean, fleet of foot. There's a lot to work with there. But I believe you can find that guy next year, too. And that's the thing that I begin to think about. You know, it's like there's going to be some kids next year we really want, too. And so we've got to make sure we have spots available to get them. And so if you sign Jaquan Amos, he's going to be a senior. And then that spot opens up next year for you to go get a guy like this. And I don't know if we don't go get a Juco corner next year. You know, right? We'll see what Martin Emerson does. Going to be a little bit longer show today, so kind of bear in here with me. I want to remind you guys, too, that Portico. Portico. Is one of those deals that uh, maybe you're not familiar with. You should be. Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, did some great things for us here at Mississippi State. He's a little bit shorter in person than you probably – like when you saw him on TV and stuff, you thought, man, that's a big guy. He's really not. He's really not. He's a great guy, though. Did some great things for Mississippi State. Robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha. Probably his uh, claim to fame. His wife tells me that there is a uh, poster of that catch in their living room. Like, it is the living room. Like, every, like every, you have your couch, like, turned towards the TV. Not at their house. It's turned towards the picture of Brooks Robin home run. Good for you, Brooks. So, Brooks is one of the developers for Portico, which is one of the brand-new developments here in Starkville. And if you're thinking about moving to Starkville, give Portico an option to help you. Located just off Garrett Road behind the Hilton Garden and the Chrysler Jeep dealership just over a mile from campus. Easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. There'll be 51 houses total in the development with 18 houses in the first phase nearing moving condition. 33 houses in the second phase and that construction should be completed later this year. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. Two bedroom, two bath, and up to four bedroom, four bath. So you got room for a growing family there. If you need more information, you can talk about that walking trail. You can talk about that pavilion. Talk about that big catch if you want to. Give Brooks a call, 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. So speaking of baseball, I got a few little things I'll share with you before we get out of here. Okay, so the first thing that I want to tell you is that if you are not a season ticket holder, the chances of you being able to uh, get tickets to go to Mississippi State baseball game are going to be pretty pretty difficult because, you know, we sell out every year, right? So there's not going to be a lot of walk-up stuff because we're trying to accommodate those other, those other folks. And so you're going to probably have to get them off one of the ticket sites, go to the Jeans page, uh, you know, ticket exchange or whatever, and to get tickets because it's not going to be like it's been in, in previous years. 
especially initially. You know, the current guidelines are for 25% capacity. The hope is we get a little deeper into the season that they'll raise the guidelines and we'll be able to get 50%, and then that'll be, that'll be good for everybody, right? So, but here are a few things you need to know that are going to be different. In the left field lounge, they're going to allow four persons per rig, and we call them rigs. I mean, that's just because they all, they've always been for us. And then everybody, when you come in and uh, you have your ticket scanned to go into the lounge, you'll be given a wristband. If you do not have a wristband, you will not be in the left field lounge. So if you're used to sitting in the grandstand for the first three innings and walking out to the left field lounge and going having a cold beer and uh, getting somebody's barbecue chicken, that's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen. So the left field lounge and the right field lounge, both of those are going to have a barricade up. There's going to be security there. And let me go ahead and say this now. Please don't give those people a hard time. Please don't. Those people are just doing a job. They're not the ones making the policy at the university. They're not the ones passing the guidelines for the state government. They're just somebody doing a job to help manage game day for all of us. So please don't give them a hard time because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Somebody's going to show up and say, you know, hey, I'm used to just going out here hanging out with my buddies, and they're going to have to tell you no. And then you're going to get mad and you're going to go on a Facebook group or you're going to get on Twitter and then you're going to be critical of the administration because you didn't know the rules. So we're not going to do that this year. So please be respectful to those people, those event management people that are working hard for, for not a lot of money and they're certainly not paid enough to deal with that. Okay, so please don't give them a hard time. Let's be grateful we have baseball. And so if you have a ticket in the grandstand, you won't be able to go to the lounge. Now, if you have a, a left-field lounge ticket, you will be able to kind of move around the venue. You'll be able to leave and go to the restroom or go get concessions and, or go down to the food truck and then come back because you'll have your wristband on, so you'll show it to security as you kind of coming and going. So that won't be a big thing. But it's going to be a different year for everybody. Because, listen, I get it. There's a lot of you guys, you buy a grandstand t- uh, ticket, but you spend the whole ballgame in the lounge, especially on SEC weekends. Because you get out there and, you, you know, congregate and have a good time, and there's a party going on. I, I understand that. We're not going to do that this year. Now, let that sink in for a second. We're not going to do that. And we're going to watch some good baseball. We're going to have a good time. But we're not going to be able to go do that this year. Go ahead and let it sink in. Go ahead and wrap your mind around it. There's also some discussion, and I've already told it, some schools in the state have already said they're not going to do any cooking. You know, uh, I understand that's still a possibility for us. We're still working those things out. You know, it's weird to think they'd let you bring in coolers full of stuff that you've already handled, but you couldn't cook food there. It doesn't make any sense. So uh, we need that. We need to be home again. You know what I'm saying? After all we've gone through the last year, we need to go out there and be able to sit at Dirty Noble Field and then uh, and kind of watch the smoke and the ambiance and the flavor of the lounge you know, to kind of attack our senses. You know what I'm saying? We need that. that. That's home. And so we need that. So they're still working through that. I know everybody says, Steve, when are we going to know about tickets? You know, I wish I knew. I actually reached out to Mike Ritchie earlier this week. And said, hey, Mike, is there anything we can do to kind of communicate to our fans kind of where we are in the process or anything we can do to help you guys? 
And Mike is such a great guy, man. I love Mike Ritchie to death. I really do. Mike is so great. Does a thankless job for Mississippi State, guys. He really does. I mean, the only time he ever hears from somebody is when they're upset. They didn't like their ticket placement or didn't get their tickets or something's delayed. Nobody ever calls and says, hey, Mike, you nailed it. Great job. They don't do that, you know. But Mike's always got a good heart. and He's always got a smile on his face. And so Mike Ritchie's one of the heroes at Mississippi State. But Mike says, you know, listen, we're still working through it. You know, we're close, and we expect to be able to communicate this out to our season ticket holders very, very soon, but we're close. I even reached out to John Cohen to see if there was some clarification. He kind of told me the same thing. Hey, you know, we're really close. We're really close. They want to get you the information as quickly as they can, but they're actually kind of, you know, working for you to make sure we can have the best fan experience we can possibly have. Now, there's going to be a lot of bumps in the road this year. One of the best things about our ballpark is community, right? You walk in, you walk around, see your friends, and I know how it is for me. You know, I walk out there to get some chicken gizzards, and I got I got to shake a lot of hands and hug a lot of necks and kiss a lot of babies because that's our family. Those are our people. And so I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss being able to kind of walk out there and go hang out with Hobie and then bounce around over here and, and go see these folks here and there's folks there and go hang out with the students. Not going to be able to do that this year. And, and I'm okay with that. I resigned myself to that. But I also remember that feeling in the pit of my stomach when they called me and told me that we were canceling the Arkansas series last year. Because we all knew what was coming. We knew it was a matter of time. We were hoping against hope. But I remember how much it stunk last year not to be able to play Mississippi State baseball. And we were just starting to play well. We won five in a row, taking two from Texas Tech. We were playing our best baseball of the year and getting ready to go beat up on those Razorbacks. And then the rug gets pulled out from under us. And so anytime that I think to myself that I want to kind of get in my feelings a little bit and complain about baseball this year, I hope that I can remember that. I remember that feeling of not being able to go watch our dogs play. And that's, you know, that's the spice of life. That is one of the greatest things in our lives is being able to go cheer for the Bulldogs. And when that's taken away, all of a sudden the quality of my life is diminished. It's not just about making a living. Because even if I didn't do this for a living, I would still be at Duty Noble Field. Because, you know, that's, that's home. And so let's be patient with each other, okay? Let's be patient with the administration. Let's be patient with our players and coaches as they kind of figure this thing out. Because I can promise you nobody wants to be back on, on Duty Noble Field in front of all you guys more than they do. And so those of you that show up, let's be loud and be vocal. Let's be supportive. And let's not just cheer for our team. Let's cheer for all of those fans that aren't there with us. you got a big responsibility this year, Bulldog fans. you got a great baseball team. got a chance to get back to Omaha. got an exciting rotation. got some things that we can be proud about. And so we need to turn out, show up, do a great job, be vocal, be supportive, be great baseball fans like you always are. But let's just have a little patience with one another this year because I'm just so grateful to have it again. You know what I'm saying? We, we know what it felt like to have it taken away. So let's cherish it a little bit more. And that was one of the things that I shared with you guys, you know, during the quarantine. I mean, there's so many days that I'm sitting around here kind of staring at the walls and, you know, you've already completed Netflix and looking around up there. And I was thinking, man, I would give anything to go watch Mississippi State play anybody in baseball. I would do anything to be able to go sit in the press box 
watch Mississippi State play a doubleheader. I would do anything to be able to go out there with my family and my friends in the left field lounge and to be able to watch the Bulldogs win a big ball game. I would do anything for that. And so the fact that I can just show a little bit of patience to kind of make that happen, I'm willing to make that investment. All right, that's going to do it for today. If you hadn't done so, let me encourage you. Go to alphadogsthebook.com. i got, what, seven baseball chapters in that book, including one with Jake Mangum. The first interview I did for Alpha Dogs with Jake Mangum, and his mom came and loaded up on books for Christmas, right? Great, great guy, man. Got Mitch Moreland in there. Got Rafael Palmero in there. Got Ted Milton in there. Got Bruce Castoria in there. Man, got some studs in that book, man. I mean, some monsters. You're going to enjoy reading their recollections of their Mississippi State experience. Go check it out, alphadogsbook.com. You can get Flim Flam there, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And uh, I'll write whatever you want. Valentine's Day is coming up, and some of you guys I know are already in a doghouse. The best way to get out of it, let's go and get that book ordered, right? And maybe if you're not the reading type, go to starkvillains.com, order yourself a Stark Villain shirt. Would love to see a bunch of those at Duty Noble this year. You can get them in maroon and white. I, I wear the black and white ones, but you can get them in maroon and white. How about that? Starkvillains.com. But until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.